Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Great to be with you all. Uh, I know I saw a lot of you last night at the gala. Thanks to everyone who came out last night. Um, I'm still recovering. I was up till about 1 a.m. So today, obviously, as always, we have really powerful readings. Um, today, just to start off, I want to talk a little bit about vocation. G.K. Chesterton says that the, most, the people on earth who are the most certain of themselves, who have complete confidence, who know everything they're about and where they're going, are people in insane asylums. But the other group are children, right? I don't know what that says. Parents, you can make the connection there. Uh, kids are so certain of themselves, aren't they? I love going through our school and talking to kids, and I'm like, all right, well, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they're like, a dad. You know? I'm like, okay, cool. That's a pretty good answer. You know, and the really little kids, I like asking them, I'm like, how did you get to be so cute? Is it because of your mom or your dad? And they're like, mom. Uh, and it's, it's just beautiful. One time when I was a focused missionary, my second year I was up in North Dakota, and like five men in my Bible study started discerning if they were called to the priesthood. And they wanted to know their vocation. God, what are you calling me to do in life? And they got really serious about it. And I'll never forget one of, uh, one of my guys, a guy named Ben Barron, he went home for Christmas and he was like, I wasn't a priest yet. He's like, Brian, I'm not kidding. He's like, my little brother has a direct line to God. He's like this like, six-year-old kid, and he, he has a direct line. He's so close to God. He's so holy. So Ben, he's like, I'm going to ask my little brother what I should do. True story. So he goes home, and, you know, it's Christmas break, and he says to his little brother, I want you to pray for the next, like, week, and I want you to ask God what I'm supposed to do. And apparently I wasn't there, but his little brother took it seriously. He prayed all week. And at the end of the week, Ben came back to him and said, okay, what am I supposed to do? And his little brother just looked at me and said, be a priest. And Ben was like, no, no, no. Like, what, what did God say? Like, are you sure he didn't say I'm supposed to be married? And Ben loved this story. He would always look back and he's like, be a priest. <laughs> and he went to seminary. Then he left after three years. He's married now. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Don't we all want, we all want to be called to something. We all want to be called to do something bigger than ourselves. And today, brothers and sisters, you have a vocation. You have a vocation. Every single one of you has a vocation. And it is more important than priesthood. It is more important than consecrated life. It is more important than marriage. The vocation of the Christian is to be salt and light. There's a, a famous scene, I don't know why it's been on my mind recently, but there's a, a book called Brides Have Revisited, wonderful book, um, and one of the characters in there, it's, it's similar to this, 
there's a character named Cordelia, and she's talking to Rex Montrain. Rex is kind of a buffoon. He's like this good-looking guy that one of the sisters marries, and he, but he's just a buffoon. And Cordelia, she's like 12 years old, and she's talking to him, and she says this. She says, I hope I've got a vocation. And Rex says, I don't know what that means. So Cordelia responds at age 12, and she says, it means you can be a nun. If you haven't got a vocation, it's no good, however much you want to be. And if you have a vocation, you can't get away from it, however much you hate it. Amen. <laughs> I just love that quote. Brothers and sisters, though, the, the vocation all of us have, far more important than my priesthood, far more important than your marriage, far more important than consecrated life, is your call to follow Jesus Christ. That is your calling. That is your mission. You are called to be the salt of the world, or the light of the world and the salt of the earth. That is what you are called to be, and I want to dig into that today. Today's homily. Every time we come to Mass, right, we're in different places in our faith. Today's message from Jesus, his simple call to be light and salt, is not directed to everyone. It is directed to disciples. The Sermon on the Mount, we started last week with the Beatitudes. Jesus, there's a crowd, but Jesus is not speaking to the crowd. He is speaking to those of us who have made an intentional decision to follow the master. You cannot be the salt of the world or, the, or of the earth or the light of the world if you are just going through the motions. And if you're, if you're there, that's okay. But today's sermon is not for you. Today's sermon is for those of us who have said, Jesus, you are God, you are my master, and I am going to intentionally choose to live like it's true. And I will shape my life according to your teachings. I will leave behind a life of comfort, of pleasure, and of just being like everybody else. I will leave that behind, and I will follow you. The simple image I want to use today is stolen from Dr. Tim Graham. Light, right? You and I live in this world. Light is becoming more expensive. Everything's more expensive these days. But in the ancient world, light was not cheap. The light bulb, right, was invented at the beginning of the 19th century. Now, Thomas Edison creates his light bulb in 1879. You and I are just accustomed to it, right? I get mad when my dimmer switch doesn't work right. Right? I don't want the, the cool, like, kind of LED lights. I want warm, you know, yellow light. The light bulb happened 18 centuries after the life of Jesus Christ. 18 centuries. Most of human history, the overwhelming majority of human history, brothers and sisters, light is not something to be taken for granted. 
And in the ancient world, the lamps they used, I wish I had one to show you today. I don't usually like props and homilies, but this is one that would be cool. Lamps in the ancient world can be held in your hand. The ones used in the Roman world and certainly used in Israel in the time of Christ, they're simple clay lamps that hold olive oil. And through the history of these lamps, what happened is they developed them uh, more and more fully so that they would not lose a single drop of olive oil because light is expensive. You can't just walk into your house and flip a switch. Right? We would all probably go to bed at a much earlier hour, which would probably be good for all of us. And for you to have olive oil, right? Like, and in Israel, this is one of the main agricultural products. You had better have a sufficient amount of rain. You had better have a good crop that year. And the olives, of course, have to be put into an olive press. And there's different pressings of, of olive oil. And the first press, still today, is the most expensive. And you go through multiple pressings, and you will go through those olives, and you will get every drop of oil you can possibly get from those olives. Your light is much more expensive. It is much more expensive. The gospel, brothers and sisters, is such good news, right? It is the redemption of the world. It is the, the message that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. He has called you out of death into life. But to become the light of the world and the salt of the earth is not cheap. And there are few people who actually become this because it is expensive, and who Jesus describes today, those of us, and I hope someday to be this, I am not there by any means. But the people who become the true light of the world and the salt of the earth are the poor in spirit. They are the meek. They are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted because they are righteous. And the world desperately needs those people, brothers and sisters. Desperately. And what I want to challenge you to today, again, if you're not there yet, if you're on the fringe and you say, I'm struggling with my faith. I like going to church. I, I wrestle with whether or not I can really live this. That's okay. You are loved the mercy of God is for you and you are called. But brothers and sisters, eventually all of us have to become disciples. And no one is a disciple by mistake. No one is a disciple by happenstance. If you are a disciple, it will cost you everything. couple practicals I just want to challenge you to today to become the light of the world and it's so cool in the Old Testament dominantly when God talks about being the light of the world it's usually God's law is the light and it's a tool that you can use to bring light to others 
Here in the Sermon on the Mount, the light is not simply something in a book. It's you. The Bible is not the light of the world. You are. If you're a disciple, how do you get there? A couple of things I just want to challenge you to today. Prayer and study. One, one saint I was reading this week talks about this, and he said that you only can be the light of the world if you have a distance from it. And he says contemplatives are the light of the world because they have removed themselves from the world and so their light can actually shine on something that is away from them. To be the light of the world, you have to step apart. You have to have silence and prayer. And I know it's hard. People come to me all the time. They say, Father Brian, how do I pray? If you want to learn that, Father Vitold is doing a Lenten series this Lent on how to pray. But you know what most people just have to do? Show up. That's it. Most people, they just stop going. To be the light of the world, brothers and sisters, you have to have silence. You have to learn how to silence your inner soul, which is much harder than external silence. But you've got to show up. It's much easier to sleep in. It's much easier to not go to bed on time. It's much easier to just watch the news in the morning. Second practical I want to give you today is you got to study. You don't have to be, you don't have to learn Greek, you don't have to learn Hebrew. If you do, help me, I want to get better at those things. You've got to read. You've got to have a book that you're always reading that's filling your minds with the beauty and the truth of Jesus Christ. We've got to be intentional. I want to leave you finally today with one last quote from Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict says this. He says, If we want to become spiritual stones suitable for building up the edifice of the church, right? If you want to be like a brick in this church, the real church is not this building. It is us. We are the church. If you want to be a stone in that church, you must accept your fate of being cut and carved. You have a vocation. Your life matters. When you go to your job and you're joyful and you have meaning and you have mercy and love for others and you live a moral life, you have a vocation. You are the light of the world. Pope Benedict, in order to be suitable for the house, we must let ourselves be bent into shape for the places we are needed. There's that old song. I always tease my friend, Father Matt Book. He's the pastor at Light of the World. And I'm like, do you guys sing that song every Sunday? <laughs> we are the light of the... And you're like, yes, I am. <laughs> oh. You are called to be the light of the world. But you can't get there if you don't give yourself away. Jesus, today, make us disciples. May we live the Beatitudes. May we not just happen to be Christians, Lord. But Jesus, may we follow you with everything we've got. And Lord, may you make us the light of the world.
Let us now stand.